0: Hi, this is John Wilson, President of the American Association of Neurological Surgeons. Uh, We look forward to welcoming you to our annual meeting. Uh, The date and location has been changed. It's going to be August 21st to the 25th in sunny Orlando, Florida at the Orlando Convention Center. It'll be the first opportunity that we've had to get together as a a specialty for a, a major national meeting since the beginning of the pandemic. Really are looking forward to seeing you all there.
1: Welcome to the Neurosurgery Podcast. I'm Mike Wang and I'm here with my co-host JP Colson. We are here to discuss all things neurosurgical. Hi, this is
0: JP Colson, a resident in neurosurgery at Rush University. Please note that this is not a CME event, and the opinions and statements made in this podcast do not reflect those of any institution or professional organization. Now, let's get started.
1: Welcome to the Surgery Podcast. Today we continue our mini-series, if you will, on the various AANS-CNS subspecialty sections, and today we're delighted to be joined by Jason Sheehan. Jason is the chair or president of the tumor section of the AANS and CNS. He's a professor of neurosurgery at the University of Virginia in Charlottesville, Virginia. Jason, welcome to the podcast.
2: Uh, it's uh, my pleasure to be here, and uh, I'm glad to represent the tumor section and hopefully give you some insights into the section and more broadly neurosurgical neurooncology.
1: Yeah, so when I think about you know the classic uh, view of neurosurgery or the, maybe the, the populist's view of neurosurgery, I think that tumors and brain tumors might be one of the most sort of sort of elementary, but also the most captivating elements of what we treat. And I understand that next to the spine section, the tumor section is also the largest in our our organization. So maybe you can tell us a little bit about how you decided to specialize in brain tumor treatments and how you came along this journey.
2: Sure. Uh, So as I progressed through my training in neurosurgery, I was really interested in, in so many different aspects of neurosurgery, but I found that tumors were were some of the more challenging indications and in patient cohorts that we tried to treat. Some, of course, were uh, wonderfully satisfying in that you would get a gross total resection and make patients instantly better. Others were nearly uh, uh, impossible to treat with uh, with particularly good outcome based upon the location or underlying tumor histology. Of course, so much has changed since I've been in the field in the sense that we now have a much more exquisite understanding of the different uh, subgroups of of tumors, not just malignant, but also benign tumors. And you could look at glioblastomas or brain metastasis or different types of meningiomas and, and mutational drivers that are targetable. We also have much better uh, surgical tools beyond the traditional CUSA and uh, and uh, and tools that we would use to resect the tumor uh, more standardly. We have some very exquisite uh, technologies that we can go into that really make make neurosurgical neuro-oncology uh, minimally invasive in, at times and uh, a very uh, sophisticated type of approach.
1: Now, we've mentioned on this podcast before how, these various sections are organizations that are sort of artificially divided. And of course, the tumor section represents so much. For example, uh, much of pediatric neurosurgery is brain tumor surgery. Uh, Much of stereotactic surgery, if you will, involves tumors. And of course, there's the question of do the skull base problems reside within the tumor section or the CV section. So give us some idea of the scope of what you guys do as tumor surgeons.
2: Yeah, so it's an excellent question. And I would say that we have one of the not only are we one of the largest sections within neurosurgery, but we also have one of the largest executive committees. And if you go to our our website, you'll see that. Our executive committee has a range of liaisons, including pediatric, spine, skull base, and we also have liaisons to uh, to medical neurooncology organizations such as Society for Neuro Oncology and EANO, the European Association of Neuro Oncology. So that we have an awful lot of interface with with uh, surgical and medical colleagues uh, across the uh, across the disciplines that help to manage these patients. And uh, of course, you're quite correct that you can have uh, tumors that involve the spine that may involve a neurosurgical neuro oncologist as well as a, a dedicated spine surgeon, and they may work collaboratively or independently to address that problem. The, I think that. The challenges of, about how to adequately train individuals to span the disciplines, we do have through the CAST accreditation, a, a neuro-oncology focused fellowship. And I have one at my institution that they are have certain mandated requirements. And in the next six months or so, I understand that CAST will be introducing a specific skull base path, which there'll be uh, clear cut indications in which those fellows must uh, uh, be involved in certain types of oncological cases, uh, not just uh, vascular cases, for instance.
0: Well, that's very exciting to hear these changes coming to the training paradigm uh, with these sub-sub-specialties within neurosurgery, you could say. Um, But Dr. Sheehan, you also earlier mentioned the continuing evolution of technologies within this field of neurosurgery and the tools in surgeons' hands. I wonder if you could comment on how the tumor section connects uh, not only surgeons in the sharing of ideas between institutions, but connects them with the latest technologies, everything from chemotherapies to imaging technology, navigation, to, as you mentioned before, even just basic surgical instruments. How does the section help surgeons find and learn how to apply and when to apply new tools in the operating room?
2: Yeah, so... uh I would say that this section has uh, an awful lot of interest in, in looking at, embracing, and, uh, and researching the different types of technologies that we can apply to neurosurgical neurooncology patients. And so we have a, 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 a lit subcommittee. We have a simulation subcommittee. We have uh, a, a guidelines committee that's put together guidelines for uh, uh, different types of surgical technologies. Uh, and, and throughout all of this, I would say that we have continued to educate our, our members. And at the upcoming tumor satellite meeting, which will be held in conjunction with this CNS in Austin this fall, we have a number of different workshops and programs set up that look at specifically at the interface between technology and the neurosurgery focused neurooncology specialists. So that, you know, for instance, you can look at what Walter Dandy did. And and in some instances, although an incredibly gifted surgeon, he might have taken used a a spoon-like device or even his finger to remove a brain metastasis. (laughs) Now we have the ability to use microsurgical instruments and and, endoscopic uh, devices, port systems, LIT, uh, that's laser interstitial thermotherapy. We have on the horizon... uh, uh, the use of uh, focused ultrasound, which I've had an interest in. And that we have a whole lot of uh, uh, different types of, of uh, adaptive uh, systems that can use, you can use to simulate through DTI sequencing what the best corridor may be, use of intraoperative fluoroscopic uh, uh, technologies such as 5LA for gliomas and, and possibly using those for brain metastasis and meningiomas. So they're just a, a whole host of things that we're seeing from uh, physical devices to, uh, to uh, uh, pathways to, to, to resect tumors and to be, be doing the planning and more elegant approaches. And then molecular uh, systems such, such as some of the fluorophores that we're now using and maybe even focus ultrasound, uh, which is, being explored in my center for, for blood-brain barrier disruption. And neurosurgeons are driving those uh, those clinical trials and likely will be embracing those care pathways as part of our management of brain tumor patients.
0: Now that's so funny that you mentioned the historic uh, finger dissection and finger removals. I think anyone listening, if you just go to Google and type in brain tumor finger technique or finger dissection, you'll see some of these classic illustrations from old textbooks where it shows the surgeon reaching right in and sweeping a finger underneath the tumor to dissect it from the surrounding brain. Um, I wonder, Dr. Sheehan, if you could, of of all those various exciting and promising technologies on the horizon, what in your eyes is the most exciting or the the thing of most interest for you coming down the pike? As you mentioned, I know you do have a very thriving and, and you were an early adopter of the focus ultrasound at UVA. I believe I could be wrong that you have intraoperative MRI as well. Um, but among these various technologies, what what's the most exciting one for you from a tumor perspective?
2: I, I think from the tumor perspective, we're doing a lot of things that mirror what's being done. I think, and in, 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 Mike can comment on spine and cerebrovascular and, and functional. We're doing uh, more through through uh, less, uh, doing small uh, openings to do tumor resections, or or for that matter little to no openings. For, and, and so I think as you uh, look at some of the port systems that were being used now, and we've had some great articles in Journal of neurooncology which is our section's uh, official journal on on uh, the use of, of ports to take out, and there are uh, several proprietary systems out there, but to, ports to take out gliomas and metastasis uh, or deep-seated tumors. But I also think that, uh, although I'm biased and and a clear disclaimer: I, I, I have a clinical trial open for this. I think focus ultrasound, which some of my colleagues have had tremendous success with its application for a central tremor and for Parkinson's, the movement components of it. I think focus ultrasound has a tremendous uh, opportunities to to really revolutionize the way we treat brain tumor patients. Of course, I've, I've been heavily involved with radiosurgery, and I think there's a tremendous amount of advances that are going on with radiosurgery too. And the interface between image-guided procedures that use different types of energy delivery, be it focus, ultrasound, or radiation, and the and the adjuvant therapies, such as targeted therapies and immunotherapies that we're using to to affect tumor progression or hopefully to stop it from progressing.
1: So, Jason, I love that you bring up the history as well. And I, and I always remember hearing the, the legend of Harvey Cushing. And you could correct me if I'm wrong how when he started operating at the turn of the last century, the mortality rates for those surgeries were in the, I don't know, 80, 90 percent or something like that. And he brought it down to something in the 50s, which is still astronomically high, but such a rapid change with one man's uh, techniques and, and technology. And I always think about the neuro oncologists being like the most academic along with the functional surgeons, right? Because it seems like one of those fields where there's There's the ability to very quickly change the field through an intellectual advancement. And to that end, maybe, you know, if we look to the past and the past of all these sections, we can see how they're molded, and then also to the future. So tell us a little bit about what's going on in terms of genomics, because certainly one can imagine genetic um, interventions, if you will, I have to be careful what words I use here, having a bigger or earlier impact in your field than, say, trauma or spine, right? Uh Correct. So I think that I'm on a
2: number of different committees and we're working for instance with, uh, I'm working currently with Astro to put together some guidelines for low-grade gliomas. I've been on the CNS guidelines committees and I'm on one for pituitaries. I've been on others for for, uh, uh, different types of disorders, including uh, gli- gliomas and meningiomas and acoustic neuromas. So I think that there are a whole lot of, of molecular subtyping. So uh, when I was well, earlier today, for instance, I received a note from the Astro uh, Guidelines Committee that really talks about the they're wanting to break down guidelines for uh, the amount and timing and techniques of radiation based upon the the specific molecular markers of low-grade glioma. So if someone is IDH1, wild type, or 1P19Q co-deleted, that that you're going to make your recommendations uh, of the types and amount of radiation to give, the dose, in other words, and the techniques that are really going to be based upon the molecular characteristics of that tumor. So we've all known that, for instance, if you take, take the classic glioblastoma Patient population that there are some patients who are have very short survivals and others who have moderate and some who have extraordinarily long survivors uh, survival and and how do those break down? They oftentimes break down based upon the, the some of the molecular markers that we know about and probably some that we don't. And so I think that as we become more sophisticated in our surgical approaches, we'll be, for instance, maybe more aggressive with certain types of of uh, markers uh, or be tumors that express certain types of mutations. And of course we have increasingly technologies that are available, think of us very rapid intraoperative assessments of the type of cells, and even uh, increasingly the mutational status of some uh, tumors just in the OR. So I think that that is gonna be a way to, uh, to, to help to guide us as neurosurgical oncologists. And then I think we'll also see the advent of of either blood-borne biomarkers or CSF-borne biomarkers that are really going to help to move the field forward so that you'll be able to know in advance of you going in to take out a tumor what type of tumor that is and possibly what type of mutational status that tumor has and that may dictate how you're going to approach that patient. So I think that there's uh, tremendous advances that are going to come with neurosurgical neurooncology fields some of them are going to be guided by by these molecular uh, and genetic approaches. And you're right, those approaches are likely gonna pretend to us to be able to target gene therapies and gene deliveries and even certain types of, of transplant type approaches where you might might do uh, uh, transplanting of, of cells that may stimulate uh, th- or, or block uh, progression of tumors. So there are, uh, those may also uh, drive viral therapies and, and there have been several trials that have looked at that as well.
0: Now I suppose as we discuss the future of this practice within neurosurgery, we could also consider the future practitioners of it. And I often find myself the token trainee in these conversations. So on behalf of the residents and medical students interested in tumor as a subdiscipline within neurosurgery or the field of neuro oncology as a whole, what role is there for trainees within the tumor section, be they residents, be they medical students? Um, what, what role is there for them to participate in meetings, present research, et cetera? So
2: the, the tumor section is, has a, a, a number of opportunities. We are, we are currently offering 4 NREF NRF-funded grants a year. So I think we may be one of the largest, if not the largest with regard to grant funding from this section. We also offer more awards for research presentations than I think any other section. Uh, it, and those awards are listed on our tumor section website. You can actually uh, uh, likely gear an abstract towards one of those awards. And, and then we also have a number of ways to engage residents. So we have a young neurosurgical committee with a resident component. We have uh, on the Journal of Neurooncology, every year we select approximately three to five resident or medical student uh, associate editors to help us with the journal. And uh, I I think that we pride ourselves on having workshops, including one at the tumor satellite meeting, that are geared towards younger neurosurgeons. And typically that would include residents and even medical students who are interested in learning more about how to build a practice. And finally, I'd, I'd throw out one more thing, which is perhaps close to, to, to your home and that we worked with some of your colleagues at, at Miami to, to, uh, to put together a book, uh, uh, Dr. Komatar and others, who uh, are really uh, working hard to put together, if you will, a, a recipe for how to build a successful practice in neurosurgical oncology. I've seen and, and helped to edit that book a bit. I think it's wonderful. And that should come out, I hope, later this year um, and, and be really a foundation by which if you read it, I think you'd be hard, but hard pressed to not be successful. Uh, there are tremendous insights that have been gathered by Dr. Komatar, but also uh, Dr. Spetzler wrote a, a tremendous introduction and shared some of his pearls about building a practice. So I think we're doing everything we can to help individuals to be successful. And we've also worked with NREF to build out different practical courses that we offer throughout the year. So I've, for instance, directed the radiosurgical course for NREF over the last 15 years or so. and We've held it about every other year for senior residents. So we'd love to make sure that residents are involved. And personally, I think it's something that's that I'm very, very committed to.
1: Yeah, Jason. I mean, thanks for bringing it back home to here to us in Miami. And I I want to talk a little bit about the different kinds of of tumor services, because you reminded me that we have Dr. Komatár here as well as uh, Dr. Morcos, who are sort of two lead uh, tumor folks here. But they're quite different, right? I mean, Rick is uh, Rick Komatár does mostly malignant tumors and pituitaries, and Jacques Morcos does a lot of complex and skull base and stylistically. Uh, the, the the cases are so different, right? And so I guess tumor is exciting because you could go in a tumor, and and sort of be very different depending on how you specialize. Maybe you can give us a little idea of, of how that looks because some folks are doing mostly, let's say, gamma knife, right? And other folks are very doing very long, complex skull based procedures.
2: Right. No, I know. I think you're right. Uh, the the field of neurosurgery is becoming increasingly Complex and increasingly uh, subspecialized, and it's hard to be great at everything. It's it's possible to be good at everything, or pre- pretty good at most things. I, and but I, I believe that there is increasing subspecialization. It, when I was at a senior society meeting a couple years back that Bob Harbaugh uh, uh, hosted at, at at Penn State Hershey, we had had a uh, individual who gave a a speech on the subspecialization that occurred in in surgery and so if you look at for instance in in the field of of surgery it's hard to find a general surgeon these days uh general surgery is is is, it's almost a thing of the past there are some out there but increasingly you've got surgeons who are involved with gastrointestinal uh hepatobiliary thyroid uh, 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 surgeries uh, they may be involved with pancreatic surgeries. And, and in other countries, for instance, uh, that subspecialization has really uh, uh, grown. So that uh, I believe that we, even within tumor, there's a, a subspecialization process that's, that's ongoing. And that, for instance, in my group, uh, there there is even some division along certain areas of, of the brain in terms of who might be best suited to take that tumor out. And you know some of the classic examples are in certain types of pediatric tumors. Should pediatric neurosurgical neurooncologists uh, focus on those or acoustic neuromas? Uh, we've all known that, that those are difficult surgeries to have, have great results. So you have to sort of concentrate the effort and the training and the clinical volume to maintain proficiencies, typically within one or two providers at any given subspecialized academic center. So I I, I see see parallels between the tumor section and a lot of subspecialization that's ongoing in functional, in vascular, and even in spine.
0: Well, Dr. Sheehan, we've given the opportunity of every section head to make a pitch, if you will, to all of the uh, folks listening, be they medical students, residents, uh, folks early in their career, after training, for why to pursue not only participation and membership in your section, but why to pursue this sub-discipline that your section represents. So speak from the heart, give us hard numbers, whatever you like. Tell all the people listening, why tumor?
2: Well, I, I would say that that with regard to neurosurgical neuro-oncology, there is uh, certainly no uh, a field within neurosurgery that that stands to uh, advance as much as as. Malignant brain tumors and even certain types of benign brain tumors. We saw that a, a couple of years ago under President Obama, when when pre, uh, then Vice President Biden launched uh, a uh, a effort nationally to to try to gather consensus about uh, pushing forward with with tumor research, and I do believe that we're seeing a, a tremendous amount of emphasis uh, on basic science research and translational research, and novel technology, but also uh, medical approaches that are generating innovative uh, approaches to managing these patients and to doing a better job more elegantly. And and we all know that, that neurosurgeons as a whole, uh, when operating in the brain, have to do this in a very delicate fashion with the utmost care. I think that it is a very demanding field, much like other aspects of, of neurosurgery, but it's a very rewarding field and probably one where, where the sky's the limit in terms of the improvements. You know, We've moved the needle a bit on, on glioblastoma and brain metastasis and moved the needle, I'd say, a lot on certain types of benign skull-based tumors and how we manage them with a combination of, of resection and radiosurgery. But there's a lot more advances that can be made if you're really looking to make a difference and to make your mark within neurosurgery, tumors is is one field that has tremendous potential
1: to do so. Yeah, Jason, I want to echo that because uh, I, I believe, was it Beau Biden, his son, who died of a GBM? Correct. And we've had Senator Ted Kennedy and then Senator John McCain also die of, I believe, GBM variants, right? Correct.
2: So uh, Mitch Berger was on that committee that...
1: that- then
2: Vice President Biden uh, had, and I believe, and Neil Cassell, one of my colleagues who runs the Focus Ultrasound Foundation here in, in town. And really done a great job of advancing that field. Uh, it, were, was also on that committee. And there's an awful lot of, of effort on the part of pharma technologies-based uh, companies and, and, the, and the government to advance neurosurgical neuro-oncology practice. And, and it, I, I don't mean to just isolate it to the brain. It should be also including the spine. And then some of these complex uh, conditions, neurocutaneous disorders, uh, neurofibromatosis, uh, von Hippel-Lindau disease and others, there are, are tremendous opportunities there in, in, with known genetic mutational drivers that we can still make tremendous advances. One of my former colleagues, Ed Oldfield, spent you know his in, large portions of his career looking at neurofibromatosis and VHL patients and made move the needle, but there's an awful lot of things that we can do to help these patients. Uh, and I think neurosurgeons have been at the forefront at every instance, including that that uh, uh, committee that was set up by, by then Vice President Biden.
0: Well, Dr. Sheehan, as you say, these are disease entities that cast a wide shadow, um, not only on the lives of the patients and their families that they touch, but in the cases of these public figures that we discussed on on our society as a whole. And we are fortunate to have uh, you and your colleagues in the tumor section uh, pushing the field forward for the sake of those figures and, and for the patients and their families. So thank you for taking the time out of your day to come on the show and share with us and our listeners all the details about the wonderful things the tumor section is doing for the field and most importantly for our patients. Thanks for coming on the Neurosurgery Podcast, sir.
2: My pleasure. I enjoyed it tremendously and uh, it's a real honor.